G'day, Dees Outsiders. This is your man, Stuber. And the crews. Coming to you with the off-season special. Um, no news, confirmed news from the off-season shake-up, but we're coming to you with other bits and pieces that are coming through out the off-season so far. So we're going to run through uh, some of the surprises that we saw from the BNF. Uh, running stats um, that came up on the AFL website. Um, track through some of the finals games from last week, which was just awesome, awesome games to watch. Um, some notable switches that we've seen from other clubs and some that have raised our eyebrows. Ins and outs for Mertz, so some of the signings that have come through thick and fast in the last week or so, and then um, some of the trade requests slash uh, on the trade desk, some of the players. And then uh, we go through version two of potential targets slash good off-season with a bit more information coming through. But Cruz, how are you going? Yeah, not too bad, Scuba. I think um, you've done a marvellous job all season and you're, you're still as sharp as ever with that introduction. But I'm still trying to regain my composure after that epic finals. Uh, week one of the finals um, was absolutely fantastic. Potentially and arguably the, the finest uh, first week of the AFL finals in recent times. So uh, all games were quite competitive. And um, I think the, the Lions and Port Adelaide, who we both wanted um, with our hearts to, to, to advance, uh, were triumphant. And it wasn't luck. They were the best teams all year for a reason. So it was a bit frustrating when the, a lot of the media said, oh, OK, they upset. Richmond um, or the Lions and Port Adelaide upset Geelong, but ultimately they had the the home final for a reason. They were the two best teams or the two most winning teams for the year, so they rightfully deserve their their um, prelim finals that will be played at home as well. So um, even the elimination finals were were very close and went right down to the wire, um, and um, all those teams uh, deserve to 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 feature in that week one. So I think as a Demons fan, I was looking at those games and I, I, I thought to myself, yes, on paper, we might be uh, one of the most talented lists, but we, we wouldn't have um, won any of those games. And it just means that we're still a little bit off. And I, I, I don't think it's a big issue, which we've discussed all year. Um, it's a few minor tweaks and we can sort of go into what might make us better but it's not much because uh, the substance and the, the A graders are there. So we, we can talk further into that, Stuber, but I'll let you take us away. Oh, brilliant summary. And uh, thanks for the shout out. That was very nice of you. Um, so with it, one of the interesting sets I came out, came out recently, I've forgotten where I've pulled it from, but someone looked at this, the um, age of the list and how that affects um, the regular season and this is very similar with what happens in the NBA and other sports as well the older the list the more consistent you are throughout the regular season but the stat the interesting stat here is that it doesn't actually have a, a large effect on finals so if you have an old list versus a young list when it comes to finals there's negligible, negligible difference whereas during the regular season the consistency just isn't there so I thought that was quite interesting and I think that kind of was reflective in the, the young kids from Port Adelaide really gave them a huge boost and um, similar with Brisbane. So um, it's going to be really interesting considering they're going to have another game off, which I'm not I'm not sure I like this final structure where you're kind of penalising the top teams who have a week off, play a game, have another week off. I'm not sure how they're going to um, fare 
but luckily they get to play it at their home grounds, unlike every other club. So um, it might just work in their favour. Two really good points, Stu. But um, yeah, look, I can't really add too much of that. But what I will say is that structure, you are spot on. That can't help Brisbane and Port Adelaide to play a second game. I think that'll be their second game in 27 or 28 days. And that's not helpful. So I think you need a model similar to the, the US football model where you just launch straight in and it's survival of the fittest and the teams that have, have deserved the second chance, won the right for the second chance, they're the ones that, that have that week off. Because at this stage, I don't see Port Adelaide and Brisbane being advantaged greatly other than a home final. The home final is obviously an advantage in itself, but the actual week off, two weeks off in, th- in three games is just too much, I think, um, especially tough. for short and quarter. Hard to bring form back in, especially when you're bringing players in at the later rounds and you're trying to um, get players who are back from injury those are the players that are most affected. And some a lot of the times they're your star players. So, yeah, completely agree with you. And I think they need, just need to scrap that initial week. I've, I love that um, idea of the, emulating the NFL, mm. where it should be a benefit. It should be something that you earn and something that's a benefit of being in a top four where you earn that week off instead of just being granted it. So awesome stuff. But it does draw into yeah. question with the bonus segment if the cats lose this week who do you think is worse off in the short to medium term the cats or the west coast eagles with their oh, that's old a great, list that's a great question juba and i was um thinking to myself that these two are a teams that have at least another year that they're probably knocking on the door, but who falls off that cliff sooner or or first in my opinion would be Geelong just because their young players are probably the bottom six um, in their current lineup. Whereas the West coast, younger players are maybe in that sort of mid tier range. So I think still got a decent amount of young play. Like Yo is a very good player who wasn't playing in that game, but who's a very, very good player. One of the competition best players. Um, Darling still got a fair bit to go. Waterman and all these guys coming through. And I mean, Gaff isn't getting any worse and he's got another, what is it? Four years. So, um, Mm, yeah, they've got a a pretty solid core of players. And I I don't think Nat Nui is going to be pushing on too much longer, but they still have um, some other players pushing into that space. So I don't think, I don't think either of them is going to be pushing for finals or well being competitive in finals in two years time. But I think West Coast drop off won't be as big as Cats. And this is why I'm questioning why they're going for, Maybe they are going all in when they when they talk about getting Higgins and, and Goldstein into the Cats, mm. which is just making the problem even worse. You're probably getting rid of some of the younger players and, and putting an even older list. So it's interesting. Yeah, and I think you've made some good points, Jib, with those West Coast players. They're in that sort of maybe just in their prime or just outside, but they're in that sort of 25 to 28. So they'll, they'll still be around. And with their home finals uh, every second week from next season, they'll still be a team that'll be hard to beat and still might qualify based on that, that home field advantage. That's proved to be really difficult um, for opposition teams. But Cats, Geelong... They, Cats do they, have a strong they, fortress. So 
playing at Geelong is still pretty good. But I think what people miss out is that they've been amazing at home for about 10 years, but that's been their stretch where they've been really, really solid. If you go back to the 90s where they had a diabolical list, they didn't have a very good record down there. So people just need to take that into account. Well, with the Cats, I was I was going to say, Stu, but with Chris Scott and and Ooh. all these um, key signings, whether it be maybe Jeremy Cameron that's potentially going to open his um, open the door, have his management talk to the Cats on his behalf, or whether it be these even more older senior players like Goldstein and Higgins, the Cats almost have to win a flag, otherwise it'll be a fail because they've just put so many eggs into the mid stages well 2015 since say 2022 from from that stage on they're going to be a bottom four team for a long time i suspect if 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 once these guys retire because their bottom six players might not even be at the moment they can get away with it because they got enough a graders at the top but their bottom six guys might not even be uh, in their best 22 once these guys make their way out they're able to fly under the radar and we've spoken about that with certain teams but um yeah i think they might struggle Really good, good topic, Stuber. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. And then um, want to backtrack a little bit to the D's BNF. One of the ones that we missed out on, and I'm sorry to Ed Langdon, we missed him when we were covering it. He definitely deserved to be um, top five. Notables for me were Jack Viney being in the top three with uh, Max Gorn being number six. I thought that was a bit of a, a weird... Max yeah. Gorn had an amazing first half of the year. I think people forget. I think we take for granted how good Max is and he has solid game and we don't necessarily recognise that, whereas other players have to play well and we, we give them kudos. I thought Max Max didn't finish the season as well, but I thought his first start, first part of the season was amazing. Yeah, good point, Stu. But I think, look, I don't read too much into... Um, a lot of these types of awards because they tend to be midfielders that feature prominently. Um, so look, I, I thought Jack Viney, his start was also pretty, pretty good. It's easy to lose sight just because it's been such a disrupted season um, and probably fell away um, through middle stages of the year and was unable to recapture that form. But um, that the, we, we, were, we were shocking in some games and I guess the votes had to be distributed to, to some players so it's it's not necessarily a reflection of of their season in total or in the in the totality um but yeah look i i just find that a lot of midfielders tend to to feature highly but yeah look i it was our sort of um error of judgment not including langdon who had a brilliant year on the wing um and i and i i think we've both been vocal about this i think tomlinson would have had close to that kind of season as well if he was allowed to play on the wing um, week in, week out, rather than play wing, B-drop, play back line, go back to the wing and just, yeah, it was really uh, unfortunate for him and the team because we would have benefited to have a a legitimate winger play the wing and the reason why we drafted or um, traded for him. Yeah, and in terms of the running stats the AFL came out with, he was... um... Tomlinson. So we had Angley, Ed Langdon, obviously, was number one. Um, Salem, which was a surprise, I guess, for me, was number two for oh, wow. top five most distance covered. And then I think he also had some of the speed stats. Salem, I don't have it in front of me, but the speed stats, um, Salem was had some of our fastest. 
coverage of ground um, stats. And then Tomlinson was number three. Surprising he was put in defence for so long, but he still came number three. So it shows his aerobic capacity. Yeah, right. And then Wiedemann um, in the top five and Oliver number four. So Wiedemann, awesome effort from him to cover the ground. That's not something he's been known for, but amazing. Uh, obviously, he put in a lot of work and really disappointed with the forward structure that he didn't put in support for him. That he because with that amount of running, he wasn't really. It doesn't sound like he was rewarded for a lot of that running just because we didn't have uh, another four. Like Brown's not a, a forward that's going to cause opposition any any harm whatsoever. So I, I felt like they were double, triple teaming on Wiedemann, which must have been a bit of a downer for the the poor lad. Mm, yeah, no, it's good good to see that Stuber because a lot of fans. Um, that don't look into the stats as, as, as heavily as you do would see Wiedemann being quiet for a quarter or a half or whatever it may be, and they'll label him as lazy and not working hard and all that kind of stuff. So that just illustrates that he's working hard, and sometimes the fact that he's being double-teamed is not enabling him to to uh, get free and, and get into a position where he can outmark his opponent. Because as we've seen, when he is in a genuine one-on-one, he at least brings it to ground um, and often takes a, a mark when he is in those uh, opportunities. So um, that's a positive. And Salem, wow, that means that, – that's surprising. Um, playing on the halfback flank there, um, yeah, it'd be nice to see him have a few minutes in the midfield. We're not asking him to play 90%, but maybe 20 to 30%. Is that too much to ask, Stuba? Give me 40%. Give me – or even touch 50. Because I, I, I think Brayshaw, even there's a few players who can go off the half-back flank and with some tweaks yeah. in our, with some of the tweaks we'll talk about later, I think we can mix and match to have s- some more players that are more like your 20% in the midfield, which allows Salem to even allow him go forward because he kicks he kicks goals. He's a goal kicker. He would be a goal-kicking midfielder similar to Brayshaw which I love Brayshaw's yeah. golf celebration. One of the reasons why I don't want them to trade him. He's, that makes me smile every time he does that. It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. That, uh, if that's original, if that's what he thought of that. That is fantastic. He should copyright that. Or, or is that something from the US? I, I'm not sure, Stuber, because that, that's fantastic. If he, he was the one that started that, but I, well, I'm not too sure. It wouldn't have come. The only one would be possibly NFL, but uh, the NFL players aren't. Um, the punters are the lowest paid player. They're like the scrubs that come in who, because I wouldn't have thought any of them would do that. So um, no, unless it's soccer, but again, soccer, usually you don't have kicks from that far out. So mm. yeah, he might, he might've got, um, got an original there. Um, the last one, which we noted on and we were happy to see is Melksham was not in the top 10. He was uh, uh, playing, if you manoeuvre the stats, so average per game, so average coaches' votes per game, he was seventeen. Uh, he was eighteenth out of twenty, uh, despite so he got he was just be, he was below Tomlinson. Um, so, so interesting that they gave him captaincy and they gave him such, despite all of, all of the um, all of the poor performances, rewarding him and putting him into the middle just. Again, it's even more bamboozling when they themselves have it didn't rate his season. So, yeah, mm-hmm. might tie it off there. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good point, Drew. But, but I don't think either of us um, had him in the top ten. I know 
it's it's well documented that he's good mates with with Goody. Um, I, look, but to Malcolm's defence, when up until this season, um, when he fantastic. has played well, he, he four to fifty. He's a guy that you want the ball in his hand. So if he if he can, um, you know, recapture that form, he's not that old. I think he's twenty eight. Um, he's still got a few good years in him, and he's d- damaging four to fifty. So if even if he can touch it ten to twelve times, I think. What we've um, noted is that we need him to apply a bit more pressure in the forward half and tackle and not allow it to come out so easily. But when he does get it, he's one of the, the guys that the, in the team that you want the ball to be in their hands because he often hits a target or brings other players into play or hits the scoreboard. No, correct. Uh, and I generally think it's partly to do with the forward structure. I don't think he can play him and Fritch in the same forward line. Having two mids plus Vandenberg plus two talls, it just it just doesn't work. You don't have the pressure, and playing Nathan Jones is one of those smalls. <laughs> it makes it worse. So um, I hope they get into that in the footy review because there were some really baffling decisions that kind of affected the not just uh, Tom, who we found out, um, which the article came out recently saying that he put he was told to put on weight. And so part of the reason why he's lost his athleticism and one of the things he's doing this off-season is dropping his weight going back to his 2018 physique. Which Wait, just... hang on, Stu, but just, just for the listeners, he was told to drop weight after this season's just finished or at the start of this year, pre uh, like pre-season? He, put on, he was told to put on weight and change oh, his physique wow. to put on weight to be more of a crash and bash player. Which... In a 16-minute quarter season. Well, they wouldn't have known that at the start, but the the query for me is if he was successful in 2018 and was dominant with that physique, why would, this is like putting, this is like asking Bernal to put on 10 kilograms. Like why, why would you get a guy who's, who plays like that? You don't change their physique because that you put more muscle on you, you lose your jump, which people, a lot of people would have noticed. You lose your ability yeah. to run extra Ks, which is what made him so damaging. It was, uh, I'm just baffled by the decision of why no, I've done exercise sports science, no sports scientists worth their grain of salt would recommend that an athlete, uh, an athlete who's dominant with certain characteristics would change them. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Um, and he, look, I still think he might have carried an injury early on that he was unable to shake off and played through it. But you, we saw that with his inability to um, move sideways as much. He, was, he wasn't as agile. And Tom has shown his ability and athleticism um, to play that game. So that's baffling and strange. And I don't think that's not the, the goal of the coach, to try and change someone's game who's – um, proven to be effective doing something for several years. Um, and it's not like that position uh, that Tom played or that played well is something that we don't need. So it's, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That, that's something that it sounds like he's staying at the club, though. It doesn't sound like um, he's he, generated enough because Goodwin like killed any hope of that. But um, uh, I don't, it's, it's still, I think what what's come out is he's, publicly said and I've heard privately that he's not requesting a trade he's not the one pushing this down the door if yeah. he's if he's leaving it's because the D's are pushing him out um, mm. which shows to his character even though they treated him like absolute rubbish um, and I know he's 
yeah, Oscar's not treated much better. And he's kind of the sacrificial lamb in some respects. There's there's one in every team, I guess. Um, he just is the one, unfortunately. But um, do we want to go into... So there's been a couple articles and then Pert kind of wrote something. I, I didn't get much from the Pert article, to be honest, other than he made it clear that, that the in his review, it's it's the list, it's the skills, it's the match of talent that we have. And then he's looking at that with the game plan and the coaching, and they're the main input. So I guess from what he had with his uh, debrief interview early in the year, he's basically put the fitness and the health of the list to one side because they obviously rate the job of Burgess and what they did in the, in the the medical staff, which they also switched around end of last year, they've said that, that those two structures are done well, tick, and he's, he's really focusing on, on those two things. So um, obviously a big slap in the face to um, the internal review that Marnie did last year, which basically it sounds like all it was was just blaming the um, health and fitness without – and then it's also – I, I reckon it would put a big microscope on what Alan Richardson's doing in the assistant coaches because if, as well as Goody, because if Alan Richardson's meant to be the director of coaching, helping all the assistant coaches be better and they ha- that hasn't happened. And that, that obviously that structure has failed miserably. Um, be really un- interesting to hear why that is. And if it's, if it's good when it's not receiving the feedback, if there's, I don't know, what did you get from all these different articles? So the age, yeah. the fox and Pert. I think you've pretty much nailed it all, Stuber. I can't, I'll gloss over it um, because you've covered it in great detail, but I, I didn't think that there was anything um, substantial that we didn't uh, already know that was covered. Maybe that, that, that internal review with, with Marnie, that was sort of um, highlighted that that was a, a failure, but um yeah, look, I don't know if there's going to be too much. I, it sounds like a few assistants will lose their job and there might be a restructure of how um, the communication between Richardson and Goodwin takes place. Um, but it's, I or don't know. Even if, the... Or even if both of them are there. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, I, Obviously, I think... that's our hope. But and this is where I, I, I don't like the Fox and the Age article. I I really dislike media who who mix fact and opinion and they don't delineate what which one's which. It, it appears that they've made different diff, – both articles have made different leaps with opinion that they've put in as fact, which I didn't like. And I like that Pert was at least honest and ma- generalised, at least generalised and don't write speci- spe- uh, specify what it is because for all, all we know, maybe they are – looking at potentially uh, having the option open for a good one switch. But if I were Pert, I wouldn't do any, uh, I wouldn't be letting go of Goodwin if it was to bring in a rookie coach, I would bring in a known entity, someone who's, I'm not sure we want to bring in, even as good as he sounds like a Uze or something like that. I'm not sure we want to have a, a rookie coach come straight in when there's Ross Lyon that potentially you say Chris Scott might be available on the market. No, I, I don't think that that's um, realistic, but what I was saying is 
if the Cats bow out this week um, and that would be the second or third time that they've finished in the top four and bowed out in straight sets, I think it's worth asking the question to his management and really pitch, making the pitch saying Geelong has one more year next year that they're a real shot, but Melbourne has maybe four or five and it's not working with Goodwin. I would really make that strong pitch to him, uh, whether or not he, he blinks, maybe not given the tumultuous season that it has been, but I think it's worth behind closed doors asking the question because he's an attacking coach and all the negative um, feedback that or criticism that he has received, ultimately the guy's featured in finals nine out of 10 His seasons. List, so, if you look past yeah. the top six, you say, how on earth has he gotten that list to top four? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Like, and consistently. He's a genius in terms of getting the best out of, out of those players. In that respect. Um, no, very good. So we might turn it into the um, notable switches from other clubs. So we love when one particular club is not going so well, and that particular club <laughs> being Essendon. <laughs> I yeah. think this is the one club that unites the football club that we, we all hate, <laughs> especially after the 2000 grand final. I think there's, we've got a lot of memories to support us. It's not even just Melbourne fans. Though. I think it's... All AFL fans that don't support Essendon really can't stand them. And I, and I think Adrian Dodoro has been at the club for a long time and he just manages to infuriate everybody. But I think Essendon realise that he's an Essendon man through and through, so they put up with him. So um, good luck to, to Brisbane, who Joe Danaher Joe has identified that that's his uh, preferred destination. And good luck to Carlton, who Adam Saad has identified them as his preferred destination. So um, we can just sit and watch the fireworks unfold. But um, what do you think about those two? Could be two pre-season drafts. If Essendon matches Danaher, they don't get the the deal done and he refuses to sign the contract, then... uh, you might have a, the first ever situation of a free agent who goes through the preseason draft because they can't do a deal. Um, Pete, this is what I there's too many Essendon supporters within the media that it's kind of like Fox News where they create their yeah. own bubble of what players are worth, like suggesting that Danaher is worth more than 18 and 19 in the draft, um, which is r- roughly equivalent of pick five. I mean, I think that's too wow. much for a guy who's been injured. I would expect a second-round pick in return if I'm giving up those two picks and suggesting that Carlton should give up pick seven. I mean, maybe they split the pick and they get a, a very late first-round pick slash early second round at the most. Even yeah. That's, yeah. Even... You're, you're on the money, Struber. Mark Robinson, Tim Watson and Matty Lloyd are all Essendon people. So the fact that um, they... Uh, signaled that. I think it just goes to show that they're a little bit biased because Adam Saad is not worth a pick seven, but Adrian Dodoro will ask the question. And Matt Lloyd was also talking about Jan- Danaher leaving, being at one of the saddest days in AFL. I think he really wanted to leave last year. And the fact that he's injury prone, um, I would be s- staying well clear of him. I don't know if that's a, a good decision for the Lions, who potentially could win the Premiership this year, have a good system. Um, and Danaher, the way he plays, the ball has to come through him. And we see that with some of the other key position forwards. And I don't know if that would be 
as effective as what the, they're currently playing. So Brisbane at the moment have multiple goal kickers, whether it be Charlie Cameron, Cam Rayner, Hipwood, even McStake and Bob Up and Oscar McInerney. So if you have Danaher, he's almost going to be the guy that's being kicked to uh, predominantly. So I don't agree with that decision. And unless you're getting for absolutely nothing and not paying him a huge contract, otherwise it could, because these young kids like Barry McCluggage and Rayner are going to want money in the next couple of years. So you don't want to give that money to Joe Danaher when it's not going to help you a great deal, in my opinion. With Adam Saad, you're, you're on the money, Stu. He's a good halfback flanker or back pocket, a role player in a starting 18. Yes, you might need to pay him a little bit more to get him across, but he's not. He's late first round at best. He's a, he's a role player. He's not a guy that you can build a team around. And in that case, you, you might give a top 10 pick. A, a Lockie Neal or someone like that would be a top five pick, not Adam Saad. Yeah, agreed. And then the other decision, which which is really surprising, um, Zach Williams. I, I was happy that he chose um, Carlton after I heard what how much he wanted per season. Like uh, uh, this again, similar thing that what you were saying with Brisbane. Carlton has a, a lot of young players who are getting to the close to the end of their uh, their current contract. Who's seeing these scrubs that they bring? Like they bring well, not scrubs, but like not the top end, not the elite of the competition, but they're giving them massive contracts. So you did, they did it with McGovern. They did it with um, Jack Martin. They're doing it now with Saad and Williams. And that's basically putting it on these young kids saying, I'm better than these guys. Yeah. And when they start the negotiation of the next contract, they're going to be asking for more money. It's just a bizarre way of doing things in Happily, that probably puts them in mediocrity for more years. So, as a, as a D supporter, I'm I'm happy with those decisions because although I think Williams can be a pretty decent midfielder, but he's similar to what they already have. Unfortunately, I think they they're more after a big body midfielder, kind of like a Wines. So it's really surprising that they haven't gone super hard after Wines, who I still I still feel there's where there's smoke, there's fire, and I think he. Similar to Joe Danaher, unfortunately, signed that long contract. So it's kind of out of his hands a little bit. But I would have thought he would have wanted to leave. He's definitely not going to look at Essendon, I wouldn't have thought, with all the turmoil. I don't think any – the part the problem that both Essendon and North Melbourne have is a lot of players will look at them and say, why the hell would I want to go there? Uh, Mm, Exactly. Um, but, yeah, as long as they're, they're down, we're up. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to see them sort of go through this patch, Drew, and maybe Fantasia might leave as well. Um, he's, he's, again, like they kept players who wanted to leave in their exactly. system and it, it's hurt their value because they probably would have got more from Dan, for Danaher and Fantasia last year than this 100%. year. 100%. So, in retrospect, they've made really two poor decisions in that regard and the draft is more compromised this year which again doesn't help their cir- their circumstances when getting lesser picks and in a more compromised draft it's going to be really difficult especially because I don't think they're amazing at draft drafting Essendon I don't they don't have an amazing history of picking out the best talent they kind of hit more mm. hit and miss than your general team uh they're the notable How ones about- yeah, and I was going to say, Brody Mychek is still at odds uh, with the uh, financial um, side of the contract. I think and he's Dacos. happy with the three years of contract offering. 
No, Brody Mychek, three no, years. And Stakos. There's there's two t- there's two guys who there's a lot of players who haven't signed at Collingwood. There's a there's a big glut of players um, and decent players, and I think they're if they sign both Moore and Dugowie, I think there'll be more players to leave as well just to make space for them. And it's going to cause ripples next year as that Grundy contract, Grundy start better pull his foot out because he played, he was awful for the last yeah. part of that season. I think he's a, he's a generally good player, but paying yeah. all three of those guys kind of 800 plus, that's going to put significant strain on their salary. I think it's worth asking the question to Dacos. I, I think my check is a good player in that system and he's the type of guy that would thrive at a team like Richmond, but I don't think I'd want him at Melbourne to play that second role um, personally. Especially I want North Melbourne. Second. North Melbourne, just throw money around, like cause chaos. <laughs> it's kind of like, which is why I love like Gold Coast Suns just like t- taking these kind of me- – kind of the medium depth from the Richmond every year. They just keep keep taking the depth away from Richmond, which I love, uh, which is kind of helping peg them back to the rest of the competition, really. So um, I love that Gold Coast is looking at another couple of Richmond players to nick them across to make them a little bit worse. So uh, thank you, Gold Coast. You're doing the competition a favour. And Hawthorne wants uh, Braden Pruce, apparently, Stuber. Well, a few clubs do have signaled their yeah. interest. Join Once the line. Work, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be taking a second-round draft pick in a compromised draft. I don't think that's enough for, for an established ruckman. Ready to go. Well, okay. So we might go into our potential targets. Or do we want to go into the yeah. ins and outs and then go to the Pruce and the other guys and what they're worth? No, maybe the targets first. Um, tar- I think targets so this this is going through external might, targets that we want. We might have time to do the uh, starting eight teams, but okay. Well, um, do you want to go first with your list of players that you're looking at us targeting? Well, I would be asking the question. To, I'll, I'll divide it up into contracted and uncontracted. Um, Simply the contracted players, and there's three that I'd be looking at and asking the question, and that's Stephenson from Collingwood. Jaden Stevenson, a, f- a forward with speed and very young. Paddy Dow, an outside runner, six foot two that can play multiple positions. Uh, and Alex Witherden from Brisbane, also 22-23, um, really versatile defender that can play on the halfback flank and play a lockdown role. They're the three contracted players that I'd be targeting. The uncontracted and, but, and all three of them would be kind of in a situation where their value's lower than what they're probably worth. If the, if they yes. were they've probably put, their clubs slash them have put them in a situation most likely their coaches have put them in a situation where you can get them at a lesser value so good value picks there Cruz yeah um, as far as the guys that are on uncontracted that I think it's worth asking the question and maybe getting on the on on the cheap um, Galucci from Adelaide was a was a small forward that I followed closely in the under-18s, and he showed some good signs pre-injury, and he's still very young, is a speedster. So that's a guy I'd be looking at. Dacos, you mentioned him. Um, again, if you can get a, a, maybe a second round for him um, and more than what Colling, Collingwood's willing to offer, he's starting to um, turn the corner and starting to really hit his straps, a really fine decision-maker. Brendan pa- Brandon Parfit from Geelong is really – a really good uh, 
uh, tackling pressure midfielder that uh, maybe not the the most elite kick, but um, provides a lot of pressure and he could play maybe, um, well, he would get uh, midfield time, but in the forward half as well, a guy that's worth uh, looking to. Um, uh, How from Hawthorne's uh, another guy uh, that I like as well. He's a six foot three, six foot four defender. Maybe not in our best twenty two, but maybe a, a good depth player, especially if Oscar explores his opportunities elsewhere. How? Um, how possible? Oh, the only one I can't see teams letting go is how. Like Hawthorne has next to no young talent coming no, through. Surely, no, you wouldn't think so. I, lo- I, I love your enthusiasm, but um, yeah, um, I believe. Shannon Hearn is going to sign a deal with West Coast, um, but he's still got a lot to offer. And he, he was one of their better players uh, on the weekend against Collingwood. And the other guy, I think Gold Coast is going to throw some money at him, but he can't break into the, the best 22 consistently for Richmond. And that's Markov, just based on his athleticism and size. And maybe he's not um, going to be a great player at the level, but because you never really know with the Richmond system how good these individuals are. But he's another guy to be turning to. In terms of addressing that second tall, I don't think we're in the race for Cameron, probably worth too much money. Brown, I wouldn't be worried about. Wants too much money and and is that 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 lead up for that takes a mark. Um, and we already have Wiedemann to do that. Um, the, the young guy at Sydney that I liked, and he might be delisted and it's worth throwing a lifeline maybe as a rookie, and that's Lewis Smellican, who's around six foot four, that um, just might be worth giving a second chance to because uh, Longmire is a very good coach, but he's quite stubborn as well and tends to, to play the same player. So he's some one player pre uh, pre before this season that I like the look of, but um, he might get delisted and um, as a tall guy, um, it might be worth having his backup, but that all, is all contingent on list sizes and stuff, which we're not even sold on or, or really clear as to what that number will be, but it'll be less. So maybe it makes it that sounds like what's come out recently is it sounds like it's going to be 38 senior players for rookies and two internationals, which Melbourne already had 38. So in terms of senior spots, we would just be, um, switching it around. What that might mean, though, is that they're saying that it would decrease by an extra three next year, possibly, down to 35 senior list spots. So whoever we sign this year, we'd need to have a think through to make sure we're not... We're in a position where we can release enough players to um, still be... take advantage of opportunities next year. Um, So that's where looking at getting a a decent contract in front of Hearn or some of these free agents that you might only have for one year who can really push you forward might be a really good opportunity. So really good pickups, a really lot of uh, value picks. So well done, Cruz. Over to you. I've gone through, I've seen a few, I have a couple similar, a couple different. So I have Bruce going to Sydney Right. And getting us back, Matt Ling. Matt Ling. So he's at... Tell the viewers he's about a, he's had injury problems. He's um, a midfield slash defender, um, really fast pace, amazing foot skills and great IQ. He hasn't had much luck in terms of injury front. He's played three games in the three years. But Sydney's hit and miss with their... Um, their medical team. I think the D's with the changes that they brought in with the medical team, what they did with Benel is simply outstanding and how they were able to get him up and going. And if it wasn't for 
the discretion with the drinking, it sounds like Hide would have also got his explosiveness back. So if we're able to do that with him, okay, I think we should have a go at someone like a Matt Ling who has came came out at pick 14 uh, three years ago, has all the talent in the world. He's, he's a value pick. We can get on the cheap. Uh, I picked up Gleason from, who's a free agent from Essendon. I think he's a natural replacement for someone like Hibbert. He's got really great hands, really great pace, um, kicks the ball well, comes for free. Is not Essendon's not a very good team in terms of pl- getting the best value out of people and playing them in the right positions. But I think they have too many mediums in the defence. If they were to play him in his in like a Hibbard role, and Hibbard's kind of getting a bit long in the tooth, and so if we traded him back to Essendon and, and put in a Gleeson, that kind of frees up some. And he's a bit younger, Gleason, so it's it's a good replacement there. I like that one. That's a really good one. I had Dow coming in. I had us. I think Dow was probably worth a second rounder. I had us trading Hunt for a third rounder and, and trading a fourth round pick to get um, Dow. Um, yep. Maybe not Hunt. Maybe it's the third team involved to get that done. I had Kyle was an interesting one. He's out of contract. So he wasn't a lucrative contract. I think he's played himself into a, a, a smaller contract because of how his indiscretions and how St Kilda were playing him. He's a guy who could play both forward and back. He's he he's in their top five in terms of distance covered per match for St Kilda. And so he's someone who can be next to May, run up and down the field, but he's 200 centimetres, so he can take the tools off May as well, which allows May and Lever to be in a position and he's got the pace where you probably don't need to switch Oscar and and Smith week in, week out. So that's one of the picks I had. And, and to, to have the balance on the other side, I had Alex Neilball and Hubert combination of the value of both of those two bringing us back. Darcy Fogarty from Adelaide. He's a guy who shows amazing potential. He's a guy who could probably turn into like a lynch. Partner <laughs> in crime. That's his little little man there, giving him some, some tips. Yeah, he's, he's, he's liking Fogarty. So um, Fogarty's a guy who can kick at 60. He's a dead eye, absolute dead eye in terms of kicking. He's more, he's got a really strong body and he's a really good contested mark, but they're playing him as a key forward, which he's probably more they're trying to play him in the Kennedy role when he's more like Darling. He's probably plays a bit more like oh, Darling. Yeah. He's got really strong IQ, really good running, um, really good foot skills. He's someone who Adelaide just hasn't played in the right position and he's he's probably undervalued. Um, and then I've got some yeah. older players who I'm bringing in. So Lewis Jetta coming in. I'm trading, oh. Milksham, I'm trading Milksham out and bringing Lewis Jetta in from West Coast Eagles. They yes. look like they're interested in selling him on the cheap. They've got a few players similar to him. He's amazing. He's exactly what we're looking at in Benel, but without all that um, that history. So I think that's with um, Al Jetta, I think that's a possibility we might be able to recruit him. I've got us similar to... He's 31, though, Stuba. That's the one thing. He might just be past it. He's 31 years old now. He's 31, but I think I don't expect him to play every game. This is what I'm talking about. You want one year, so next year you can um, have three roster spaces that you can open up. So I think giving him one year, even if he gets 
even if you have like eight games and some final series and he's just able to provide some some of that specialist kicking while you're waiting for these Matlings and these guys to to come into the team and and maybe James James Jones and Jordans and some of these guys start playing better. I'd love to get Mundy to, to teach our midfielder our midfields how to do how to um how it's done. I think he's a really smart player who's gotten the best out of himself. He can show our younger midfielders how it's done. Um, I'd love. Hearn. I think he'll retire a one club player personally. But yeah. yeah, sorry, continue. Either him or him or Hearn. I'd love to get one of those two because I think they provide a lot of leadership. And then the other one, yeah. as in a coaching sort sort of role, would be Adam uh, Kate Simpson, who I think he was let go a year early from Carlton, and he doesn't have to play a senior game. He could just be a, like a coaching role at the club where he's uh, co- he's Casey at Casey playing but he's also a uh, development coach um, and I've and I've got some uh, two second round picks us taking two, two second round picks within that so we've got we had some issues with our senior players not providing good enough leadership and support so bringing in some some guys, we need to free up some more cap spot <laughs> list spots next year, and then also bringing in some young talent that we missed when we were uh, taking out May and Lever. <laughs> I think I think that's the that's the way to go to get us fix the issues that we have, but also bring in players that have the they're a bit more skilled because I think people forget. Richmond's Richmond do play that kamikaze structure, but they have a lot of those skilled players. Yeah, they do. It's a really good point, Stu. And I think Diego agrees with us. Yeah, Diego, my son, is causing havoc in the background here. I think I think he's uh, calling it calling it there. But I think we're going to get something soon. I don't think Pert sends that sort of letter out and then nothing happens for another couple of weeks. I think that sounds like they're getting close to making a making calls on different things. So, so yeah, and we can do, we can do another podcast to talk about the uh, specific eighteen that we have in mind, and maybe we do have some uh, news that we can sort of work off, Struber. But um, other than that, who are you tipping this week? So who have we got? We've got um, Richmond v. Is it St Kilda? Kilda? Yeah, oh, St Kilda's not nearly close to Richmond. Even oh, I think Richmond will get knocked off by uh, Brisbane. Port. Is it Brisbane? No, yeah, Port. Sorry, Port. I think Port and Brisbane. Port. It might be Port and Brisbane grand final. To be honest, I think but I, 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 Collingwood might actually beat Geelong. I suspect that could happen as well. But I'm tipping Richmond to beat St Kilda and I think Collingwood might just win next week but then get hammered by the Lions the following that's, week. That's really tough. Like, they'll get up for this one game because they'll be... It's it's that weird one when you're not expected to play well when you've had that travel. Sometimes you play better, but then you have that let, let down the week after. So that's what I would be expecting. And my starting 22 with that list, by the way, just a really quick one. So I had Gleeson, May, Carlisle, Rivers, Lever, Brayshaw. Brayshaw coming off the halfback but playing midfield minutes. Um, Tomlinson, uh, Oliver, Langdon, Fogarty, Jackson, Petrarca, Fritch, Wiedemann, Winey, Gorn, Salem, Harms, Dow, Pickett, Ling and Lewis Jett on the bench. 
pretty, pretty good uh, lineup yeah, there. The, the bottom six, not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I think we'll, we'll, we'll end on that. I haven't um, formalised my one. I'll probably wait to see a little bit of movement. And once we have a better idea as what it might look like, um, I'm happy to uh, plot plot a starting 18. But I, I suspect there will be a few moves and changes um, and... I see you've taken that into account with yours, but um, I think hopefully Melbourne looks like they look like they're going to be pretty active. The amount of players that are kind of on the trade table with um, all the guys they've mentioned, so, um, Jones not necessarily guaranteed. They've already cut Wag the two Wagners, Bruce um, Nishki uh, needs, I guess they call him, possibly rooking him. Um, I've put Hunt on the table. He hasn't officially been put on the table. Um, a and B has been put on the table. Hibbard hasn't been given a contract yet. I put Melksham on yeah. just because I think it, you're paying him next year on pretty decent coin, but you might be able to get him to Gold Coast or someone like that might see value in bringing someone like him in. Um, Hawes out of contract and he might not get another contract. Uh, Oscar McDonald, we've already talked to, I think he... And T Mac, they're openly shopping. So, all those guys I've put on my outs to get there. So, yeah, pretty big, pretty big uh, list changes this year. By sounds of things. All right, everyone. Enjoy reading. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure everyone's quite similar to me where you, you're checking uh, the news sources every few hours to just see if. Uh, if Pert's dropped a, a bomb or something like that, or we have a new leadership in the football department, but um, yeah, whatever it's going to happen, it sounds like it's going to be somewhat pretty. There'll be big changes regardless of whether Goodwin stays or not. So should be interesting days ahead. Well done, Stuber. Um, and we'll aim to do one potentially next week or the week after, depending on uh, movement and news. Very good. All right. Go days. Go days.